hello, hello, hello. I'd like to thank you so much for stopping by and welcome you to my podcast, Savage to Saved. I am actually pulling up the memoir. Sounds fancy, huh? Pulling up the memoir that I wrote that I'll be pretty much uh, reading throughout this podcast because I learned that... um, my people, we don't read. We don't read often. Unless it's something we're really interested in. But other than that, we don't read. And I, I get it. I understand it. A hundred percent. But I wanted to read it out loud so that it could be an interactive experience. Because you're going to get to see my facial expressions. You're going to get to see my mannerisms. You're going to see all of that play out as I'm reading it. Which is perfectly fine. But I just wanted to give you more of a 3D experience of experience as a whole. Um, ah. <laughs> I had a very long day. Um, I've been out of, in and out of school, in and out of work. I left work kind of early because I am moving. You see these boxes? I'll be moving next week. And I'm super excited about it. But I wanted to start my podcast just so we could get started. Even without the fancy mic, the equipment, all that. I got a a podcaster's app on my phone right now. And I'm going to start because you just have to start sometimes. And I believe with God is going to bloom into something beautiful. And I will have the tools I need to actually make this podcast a success. With that being said, I'm just going to start reading. This is not going to be a very long podcast. This is just pretty much to give you the background for the book, like setting you up so we can knock them down, you know, type thing. But we're going to start. And um, the name of my book was Memoirs of a Savage. And my podcast is called From Savage to Saved. And once again, I am the good. And I put a little subcategory, not a subcategory, but a sub-label or what is it? Title, subtitle. It's New Level, New Devil. And I will be able to go into detail with that as we dive into the book. So let's begin. This is the prelude. And this is pretty much going to be the first episode. And then we're going to work our way into the actual chapters, state by state, as we go along. So here we go. All right. Just scrolling up here. Give me a second. There we go. Prelude. It's 2017, and things are pretty much going downhill quickly. I'm staying at my grandma's house because living alone is becoming a type of hell that's unbearable. I'm knee-deep in a depression that I can't explain to anyone. I think to myself that I cannot be grieving when, in fact, I'm still grieving everything about my old life. Old life. (laughs) Um, My family, my friends, and the life that I was supposed to have, whatever that means. Anxiously thinking, I can still have that old life back if I try hard enough. I could be positive, be well-liked, be nice, and just stay right above water and work in a decent job. Xavier, 
who is my little brother, knows that I'm trying my best and I'll do whatever I can for him if I can get out of my current state of mind. I know we all make mistakes, but the racing thoughts must stop. Then my grandmother walks into the room and she hands me an envelope. She says, here's some paperwork that belonged to your mother. I thought you might like it. I start to look over the documents. There's a few certificates of my mom's accomplishments, which I didn't really get a chance to see when she was alive. And there is an IEP for me when I was four years old. I must have been in preschool or something. There's a sentence that sticks out clear as day. Child displays anxiety when mother leaves the room. Specific learning disability, visual perception, auditory sequential, memory, fine motor. What? <laughs> I've been dealing with this since preschool. I never even stood a chance. So, we're going to fast forward a little bit. <laughs> we're going to jump ahead because now we're going to talk about the beginning of my happy childhood. Now, like I said, let's rewind a few years to June of 1985 where a dark-skinned beauty met a light-skinned man in Gary, Indiana. Of course, over the course of time, they ended up having a baby. Me. <laughs> Being an 80s baby always made me feel special. Just a good time to be born. I suppose when I was two months or so, we ended up moving to California. In my younger years, I remember being a happy child. Rainbows, unicorns, sunshine, and being the center of attention. Yep, that was my life. <laughs> One of my favorite things to this day is singing. One of my earliest memories had to be when I was five years old. My mother, her name is Doris, would connect the microphone to the radio and she would record us singing on cassette tapes. We would sing songs from the OJs, Deborah and Ronnie Laws, and other artists. As I got a little older, I would go on to sing in my church's choir. I had a privilege to grow up in New Hope Baptist Church. It's a popular church, if you live on the east side <laughs> of Long Beach, that is. That's where I met a few of my childhood friends that grew up to be like family, sort of. I would sing as if there was nothing holding me back. As a child, you weren't weighed down by society constraints like the right way or the wrong way to sing. You just sang because you like it and someone told you to. I liked the attention early on. I didn't know it then, but singing in music would grow to be my safe haven and one of the things that helped me be sane. Growing up, all I had was my mother. My father chose not to be a part of my life, except for the glimpse I would get of him, like the occasional promise to Disneyland, or the time I was flown out to Seattle to watch my dad marry another woman. That was crazy. I just want to let y'all know that was crazy. But I did it at 12 years old, and I, I held it down. I was strong. <laughs> um, he tried. But it wasn't enough for me, and don't get me wrong. I was just like most young African-American children growing up without their fathers. Even though I would feel happy to have the little time he gave me, it never felt like I wasn't missing anything or anyone in my life. 
Me and my mother lived in poverty, but my mother never made me feel like we were going without anything. She spent a lot of time with me and we bonded over music and TV shows. I remember being four and five, four or five, and I'd lie on her chest while Gilligan's Island or Bewitch would have us up watching the TV or the TV ended up watching us. Just until we fell asleep anyways. Now that I look back at it, I'm very grateful for that bonding time. Not to mention, I always felt like I had two parents because of my grandmother. My grandma's name is Marie. Hi, Grandma. <laughs> um, was always there. She played a huge, a huge part in my upbringing and has always been a key figure in my life. My life had a routine that I was fairly used to. School during the week, bike riding on Saturday, and going to church on Sundays. We kept this routine up until my seventh birthday, where things took a turn for the worse. <laughs> so now we're going to skip to my seventh birthday, and <laughs> we'll see what happens at my seventh birthday. The number seven is my favorite number. So, of course, a seventh birthday was up there on my list. School was out, and my birthday just so happened to fall on a, mo on a Monday. My mother decided it would be nice to go bike riding since that was an activity we both liked. There was a steep hill that we would have to pass to get to the bike trail. This wouldn't be my first time going down the hill, but my mom always told me to go in the grass because there was like the grass, the park was right here, and then it was the sidewalk, which was right here, and then it was the street on this side. So my mom always rode in the street and I always rode in the grass. So I just wanted to explain that dynamic. Let's see. Oh, lost my place for a second. All right. My mom would always say, Deanna, you need to stay on the grass. However, today, I was seven, and I convinced her to let me ride down the hill on the sidewalk. Mm. <laughs> on the sidewalk. She said, okay, but I needed to go slow. Did I listen? Mm-mm. Of course not. I went barreling down that damn hill. It never occurred to me that it was a mailbox at the bottom. I guess I panicked and I didn't think to slow down gradually. But right before I approached the mailbox, I slammed on the brakes. Going head first into the mailbox, I lost consciousness immediately. All I remember is seeing blood on the concrete and my mother screaming and crying. I blacked out again and the next thing I knew, I was in someone's house, and I could see a statue of Mary, like uh, Guadalupe. No, I want to say Guadalupe, but Mary. Like, uh, you know how in Spanish households or in, in um, Spanish households, they, they have Mary. I don't know the significance behind it. I know Mary is Jesus' mother, but I do remember seeing that statue. And that was the first thing that came to my mind. The ambulance came, and I had to get stitches. I was awake for all of it, coincidentally. I kicked and screamed and cried, but I have a mark to show for it. I still got it. <laughs> I still have that mark. We stopped going down that hill, but sometimes we would still visit the park. I would go to the mailbox and see blood stains on the concrete, just to see if they were still there. It was like I escaped death. I felt like such a savage. <laughs> 
A few nights after <laughs> the fight I lost to the mailbox, <laughs> I was asleep in our one-bedroom apartment. It had to be midnight or close to it, but something instantly woke me up out of my sleep. My computer died. Give me a second. <laughs> There we go. Uh-oh. Give me a second, I know. Just give me a moment, give me a moment. Ah. Technical difficulties over here. All right. I stopped. Once my eyes focused in the dark, I could see my mother standing over me, naked, with a TV over my head. This was like 1997. So it wasn't like a, a thin TV like the one I got right here. This was like a, I got the back that has the little thing and the, the whole TV. <laughs> um, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was still hurt, but the old school TV with the whole back to it, it was heavy. I know it was heavy. And I had no idea where she got the strength to hold it over my head, but I gasped when I saw her. She yelled, Deanna, get out of the house. I ran outside and proceeded to go through the alley into my grandmother's house. Little, little did I know, little did I know, grandma's house was all the way on the other side of town. Not just that, but how would I look walking alone down the street in my red pajamas? I turned around and ended up going to the apartment manager's house and knocked on her door. When she answered, I said, there's something wrong with my mom. The apartment manager, her name was Frankie, God bless her, kept me in her apartment. I do know the police came because they questioned me. That would be the day I learned why my mother never went to work like all the other kids' parents. So, I'm going to stop right here. <laughs> uh, we're going to have another segment of Savage to Saved. And it's going to be starting in California, because that's pretty much where I start my journey. And we're going to go from California to all the states I've traveled to. California to Arizona, Arizona to Virginia, Virginia to D.C., D.C. to Texas, Texas to Arizona, and Arizona to New York, which will bring us current. So I thank you so much for your time. If you have any questions about anything, feel free to leave a comment underneath the video. Because um, on Instagram, I'm going to post snippets of the video. But on YouTube, I'm actually going to post the whole video. So you will be able to see the interactions. You can see what's going on. And it will look much nicer than this. I just want to show God's glory because God is going to bring me from this. So we'll see later. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining me. And you have a blessed night. And come back to see what happens in Savage the Saved. Good night. <laughs>